Women on Screen Out Loud is proudly supported by Deluxe Toronto. Deluxe is the leading post-production and visual effects provider to the world's top content creators. This episode is proudly presented by the Directors Guild of Canada in Ontario. DGC Ontario. Creativity lives here. Welcome to Women On Screen Out Loud, giving a platform to women in the film industry who challenge, motivate, and inspire on all sides of the camera. We are your hosts, Lara Jean Korostecki and Jennifer Pogue. In this episode, we welcome Jill Purdy, who is prolific within our community's post-production world as a supervising sound and dialogue editor. She is a self-proclaimed introvert who spent the beginning of her career purposefully invisible. However, as highlighted in her essay, Girl with a Voice, Jill poetically deconstructs the importance of her work and speaks to the need to shed her invisible cloak in an effort to champion emerging female talent in what is an extremely underrepresented but fascinating vocation. Most films tell their stories via dialogue. Dialogue that has been cleaned, organized, refined, and balanced with sound effects and music before being presented to its audience. As a supervising sound editor who specializes in dialogue editing, I clean up and assemble all dialogue that is recorded on set and on location. I also evaluate the recorded dialogue from a technical standpoint and script unusable lines for the actors to re-record in a studio setting. I direct the actors to match their original performance with respect to pitch, timing, emotion, and movement, and edit the re-recorded lines into the shows. Dialogue editing is an art, and every show is a canvas. A palette of waveforms that can be sculpted, interchanged, and reimagined to create seamless conversations, salvage indiscernible lines, and clarify narratives. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines invisible as, one, incapable by nature of being seen, not perceptible by vision, Two, someone or something that cannot be seen or perceived. Dialogue editing as an art form is invisible. To the unknowing listener, dialogue as it is heard in its final form is perceived as having been recorded as such, adding to the suspension of disbelief that the worlds, and in essence the words, we're engaging with are real. Sound, as a discipline encompassing not only dialogue editing, but location recording, sound design, specific effects editing, ambient background editing, and Foley is overwhelmingly invisible for this reason as well. Many students are unaware that careers in production sound and post-production sound even exist. What is not invisible, however, is the gender imbalance prevalent in the film and television industry, especially in the sound community. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary lists the following synonyms for the word invisible. Discreet, inconspicuous, unnoticeable, and unobtrusive. Words that reflect how women in the industry may have been perceived or have felt. I would strongly argue that the talent of women is hardly unnoticeable and very conspicuous. Growing up as an introvert who preferred being socially invisible, I submersed myself in the film and television universe with a zest unlike anything else in my life. I loved the escape and the solitude of these fantasy worlds. When I pictured having a career, I thought a position of any type in the industry would provide this happiness and fuel my creative drive. As I pursued post-secondary education in media arts at Sheridan College, fewer than 20% of the students in my year were women, and even less pursued a career in sound, including myself. I had considered careers as a director, director of photography, and picture editor. A career in sound hadn't even crossed my mind. 
As a result of a last-minute internship with Sound Dogs Toronto to fulfill a final semester requirement, my interest was piqued to a degree that has continued to this day. Dialogue editing allows me to create primarily behind the scenes and provides the solitude I crave. Although tedious and meticulous, the personal satisfaction gained through the problem-solving my job requires is incredibly rewarding. Every project has its own challenges. Every project is its own canvas. At its best, dialogue editing is unnoticeable, but this craft has given me a noticeable and unspoken voice. Silence is not always golden. More and more, I'm bridging the unspoken voice of my work with speaking out in classes, on panels, and in podcasts such as this one, encouraging women to consider the creative opportunities that the sound world can provide. As a result, more women have been asking questions and expressing interest in pursuing careers in sound, not only as editors, but as sound designers and re-recording engineers. The representation and talent of the up-and-coming young women in sound in Toronto that I've seen and worked with is extremely encouraging. I'm frequently asked about sexism in the sound community. Having been in the industry since 1996, I've definitely witnessed sexism, but have never experienced enough to discourage me. Most of my male peers, colleagues, and superiors have treated me with respect. Some have been incredible champions from the get-go. Although I was somewhat invisible when I started as a student, partially by choice, my work and initiative was noticed early on, and with that came acknowledgement and encouragement. That being said, some colleagues, even in the not-so-distant past, have commented at the completion of shows that they, quote, didn't know what to expect at the start from me, but then have offered apologies and indicated they'd be happy to provide recommendations. This has happened three times, all when I was working outside of Canada. It seems fitting that I very recently finished a five-month run of intense work and spent several hours reflecting on my life and career while staring at a blank page before writing this, feeling hopeful and realizing in those moments that the page symbolized peace of mind, a clean slate, and a world of creative possibility. If you are passionate about a career in the arts, be persistent and you will find a way in. Seek out mentors, ask for advice, Ask to shadow role models and treat everything, even if it isn't your discipline of choice, as an opportunity to learn. The film I made in my final year of school was entitled Girl Without a Voice. By encouraging young women to consider the world of sound as a viable career choice through visibility in schools, entertainment, and social media, girls with voices will rise above the glass ceiling in the sound community. And the shattering of that glass will be the sweetest sound. Coming up, guest Jill Purdy speaks with Lara Jean about perseverance through difficulty, taking pride in your work, and how personal character traits have aided her behind the scenes. I'm Lara Jean Korostecki. I'm here with Jill Purdy at Deluxe Toronto. Welcome to Deluxe. I think a place that is very familiar to you. And to Women on Screen Out Loud, thank you for taking the time to share your words with us today and for your continued mentorship in this community. So we're, Jen and I were talking about, we're honored to have so many different vocations represented on this podcast. And it is a real pleasure to get behind the scenes with you and into a post world because so many of us know so little about it. As actors, Jen and I, we've been in the ADR room a number of times, but the intricate nature of like successfully executing your job and what your job even entails is a bit of a mystery to us. So 
We're going to start right there. You talked about it a bit in your essay, but for those who are listening, especially those who might be interested in this, can you tell us more about what your job entails from top to tail? I mean, of course it starts. Uh, you know, is it before or after us self-involved actors get on set? <laughs> <laughs> well, in the best case scenario, we would get involved from during during production while the show was shooting, but that is usually unrealistic, and we'll typically be involved from the onset of picture lock or close to lock. So once that's that's completed, we'll get uh, a version of the show almost locked or locked. And from that point, um, the audio in my department, the audio that has been recorded on set, on location, is conformed into a, a Pro Tools session via software and using EDLs from the picture department that puts all of the source material that was recorded into the record timeline, basically how it was edited. At that point, uh, I go through and analyze the, the tracks technically. So I s notice any lines that are indiscernible because there's a plane going by or someone's dropped something during that take or um, there's a, a noise buzz that's on a certain particular take. And I will script those lines for um, actors to come in and re-record them if I can't find an alternate take to swap in to mm. replace the original production. So if, if take one has, you know, somebody's dropped something on that line, I would check take two, take three I didn't even think production. that you could take another, another one because actors, I guess we do kind of say things a lot of the same way. It's interesting. I mean, some actors are bang on exactly. They'll, they'll deliver the, the same take, uh, the same performance every take. Uh -huh. And there are other actors that will ad-lib. And, you know, you'll search takes and takes and no take is the same. And it's like, ah! <laughs> which is amazing from an actor standpoint, which mm -hmm. is, you know, having the flexibility to be able to do that. But then from my perspective, it's like, can you just give me that one word? Just give me, because what I try and do is save as much production as possible so that you guys don't have to come in and, and have to delve into your performance or redo it or have to match it because it's it's not the right environment. It's a different, it's, it's an artificial environment. Yeah, it can be certainly difficult um, for those who don't know, who are listening, who are not aware of what ADR is. It's, yes, when an actor comes in. What does it stand for again? Automatic dialogue replacement. There we go. Automatic dialogue replacement. The actor comes in and, and matches their performance. And yeah, I've, d I've done a fair few breaths in my time <laughs> where you're standing behind the podium with the mic on you and the mic in front of you going <sighs> and moving your body in such a way. And the lovely people behind the glass in the studio are saying, okay, LJ, just like turn your body. I think you turned your body there. You're right. It's it's difficult. Yeah. It's funny when when... Actors are re-recording their breaths. I, I hold my breath, mm. or I anticipate what you're going to do, and it's, uh, it's incredibly, yeah. It's incredibly <laughs> intricate. It's, it's intricate, there, and it, it's there's so many invisible jobs on and off the set that go into making a project, and. We, we really loved when we got your essay, how you use this idea of invisibility as an analogy to speak to your experience, and and. It occurred that the, it almost seemed like there's a power to being both invisible and yet still heard. Uh, you expanded on this where you said, this craft has given me a noticeable and unspoken voice. Do you feel this, um, Jen and I thought about the Wizard of Oz, do you feel a sense of power and pride being behind the curtain, kind of like a yes. Wizard of Oz? Can you say more about that balance of being invisible yet heard? 
That's exactly what it is. It's it's pride. I take pride in what I do. And I, I mean, just growing up, which I reflected on there, um, being introverted and not wanting to be noticed socially. Mm. Um, I'm not, I've never been great at taking compliments personally. Uh, if you look great, whatever. I've learned to say thank you. It was a long process in doing that. But if someone says, you did a great job on that edit, I'm like, thank you. Like, I, it's, it's kind of my personality and my, the detail or the what I've put into the work, I when I'm complimented for that, I take pride in that. Mm. Um, and that's incredibly satisfying. I feel like that's more worthy, you know, it's it's just it's mind games, but it's, I find that that's more worthy to me than someone saying, oh, you know, that's a great look you have today or something like that. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if that answers your no, question. No, you take a lot of pride in your work. It's uh, the, So we've asked us this question in the past, particularly, ironically, our composer of last year and our DOP who came in last year. Erica Pecunia was the composer and Maya Bankovic, the DOP. And we were curious, especially with jobs that we don't know as much about, like how do you think – you mentioned like meticulousness, but how does your brain work? So, for instance, the DOP, Maya talked about thinking in pictures. Uh, we had Christine Armstrong. She talked about as an editor, no matter how intricate she was, she ultimately always had to trust her gut. So is there a part of you that assists you most in your job, a quality that you feel that you have that just naturally fit into the sound world? I think the fact that I'm a perfectionist. Hmm. And that I can get hyper-focused. And I am a very visual person as well, so I, I see sound. I see sound as waveforms. So I will, even when I'm uh, recording actors in the studio, I'll see these waveforms in my head and figure out what part of one take I can combine with another part of another take. Oh, that's so And how those will work seamlessly together to create create an overall line that may not have existed even when you recorded it. And that's what I do when I'm editing is search for um, syllables that can replace the original syllables to make something work. And I think it's, it's again, it's that, per, I don't know what it is, it's the personal satisfaction of making something work, but not necessarily pointing that out to the audience or to who I'm working with. Mm. I mean, I'll sit there and I'll be working and I'll something will happen and I'll be like, genius, yes. <laughs> But that's as far as it goes. I'm in this little room, and it it's it's about making something work, I think, um, where it didn't work before. And, and there's a lot of being tedious and meticulous. I mean, that's part of my nature as well. I will re-go over something. And, you know, if I scribble because I doodle when I'm on the phone, I'll rewrite my, my scribbled notes because they're too messy for me. So there's a certain... <sighs> Actually, you know what? This is something I hadn't really considered before, but the amount of organization that goes into dialogue editing in terms of organizing tracks within a session, organizing and paring them down to be able to provide them to the mixers who combine the dialogue with the effects with the music and balance that all out. What I do is pare down hundreds of tracks into maybe eight or 12 that can then get delivered onward. So I think the streamlining of it and that organization is a, is a big part of, of who I am. I, I love, I, I got to go back to it because I just, as I said, so fascinating. <laughs> so you see it's not the computer screen in front of you that you're talking about the waveforms. You feel like you see it in your head. I see them in my head and I do also see them on screen. Yeah. But it's just, you, you're, you learn to read the waveforms. So if I'm looking for another word, I can just look at a, a, you know, a long waveform and be able to zero in on where within that waveform that one syllable might be. 
oh, I'm so jealous in my, I, I story edit this podcast and in my story editing, I have not gotten there yet. That's impressive. Hey, if you need an editor. Yeah. <laughs> so you said you almost went the route of DOP or director, so more of this principal photography work, which is admittedly these more outwardly artistic vocations, yet sound has this invisible artistic appeal. So how does this unique form of artistry fuel you? I originally wanted to direct my own projects, meaning when when I was in school, I did a uh, student films where I was the sole person doing the camera work, doing the lighting, doing the stop motion, uh, doing the sound, doing the editing. So it was kind of like a one-woman shop, mm -hmm. and I loved doing that. So my first thought in directing or being a, a DOP or doing camera work was about me being in my own studio, doing it myself. Mm. Not because I didn't want to collaborate, just I felt more comfortable thinking of it that way. Mm -hmm. I'm just starting to, I'm, I haven't let those those thoughts go, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to still kind of encourage myself to, to delve into that realm, even as a collaboration or even with, with a team of people that, you know, I just have to, I have to trust and, and know that there's more people out there like me or yeah. like us. There's creatives out there that, you know, we can help each other and support each other. So do you, um, this is a bit of a personal question, introvert, extrovert, do you get your energy from your time alone more than your time, um, like, in, in the world? Yes, yeah. I, do, I do. But when I do venture out or I, I see people I haven't seen in a while, colleagues, friends, I get rejuvenated and I, I wish I... I tell myself to make the attempts more to get out and socialize and because it fuels the fire. Yeah. It's it does fuel the fire to a certain degree and then and then I'll hide and I'll I'll re-energize myself that way. But For it's the artistry of the work. Mm -hmm. It's your career is ridiculously impressive since 1996. It's a wealth of these interesting and varied projects and different responsibilities that you even have had over the years. So I'm going to ask, is there a particular project you're proud of the most? I know you recently were asked to join the Academy. Yes. That was huge. Congratulations. Thank you. It's um, Being invited into the Academy was was a huge honor. And I've said it out loud before. I mean, as, as much as this industry can jade us and, you know, you realize certain things. Like, you realize that it's not all the glamour and the, you know, the Wizard of Oz and, and all of that you, that you hope and dream of it as being when you're young or, or whatever. But there's still that hope. There's still that glimmer for me of I wanna I wanna keep that that imagine going. I wanna that imagination going. I want to keep that dream world going. And and so, you know, watching the Oscars every single year since I was a child, like and then being invited into that world. Mm. Even with all the issues and the discrimination and the visibility and all that, it's it's still makes me proud to 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 be a part of that community and i hope that i can encourage and and change that a little bit moving forward and what was the first oh <laughs> proud what i've been proud of oh god there's so many things and a lot of times my experiences on my shows uh depend on the experience i've had with working with my with my colleagues or it could be a really fun amazing time behind the scenes and not such an amazing outward response to the show when it's, you know, theatrically mm -hmm. released or, or broadcast. I'd have to say that I am, I feel guilty. It's so funny. I feel guilty for even <laughs> singling anything out. I mean, I've had so many great experiences and so many great people I've worked with. When I edited Mother, uh, mm. Darren Aronofsky's Mother, it was the most difficult 
process of my career, the, the amount of work and the exhaustion and the intricacies, some of that put on me by myself, were atypical of other shows I've worked on, and for various reasons, including one that the score was decided to, they decided not to have a score uh, pretty close to the last minute, mm. which reimagined the entire the entire soundtrack. But the end result of that show is the proudest work I've done. So, you know, I did a lot of reflecting after that, and, and I love working with Darren. I love working with Craig Hennigan, who's uh, I went to school with, and, and we collaborate on, on his films. I wouldn't want to revisit that experience, but I'm so proud. I'm so proud of the end result of that. I mean, it's an incredible soundscape that I don't, I don't know that any other mind would have hmm. come up with that. And it's a reminder to kind of take the, the bad with the good and realize that everything is a learning experience as well. So I did a lot of soul searching. I did a lot of reflecting after that film. And it just fueled, it just fueled me to keep going. And, you know, at this point, I would be willing to tackle something of, of that um, magnitude. Magnitude, thank you. That's exactly <laughs> the word. Uh, again, and it's about, re- again, it's about recharging. You know, I, I submerse myself in something and then I've got to recharge. Um, yeah, yeah. You, you mentioned at the end of the essay that you were, you've just been working really nonstop for the last five months and then have been able to kind of take a breath here and reflect on your career and what's been happening. And we're really thankful that you filled in the blank page for us here. I want to commend you and thank you for um, writing something that speaks to encouraging women to see that there are a multitude, and and men too, but a multitude of roles, not just in front of the camera, not just in principal photography, but that the post world is just as important. Uh, and it brought to mind, Jen was just saying before this interview, the uh, the Icelandic composer for The Joker who just won the Academy Award, uh, Hildur, and she also said she was urging young women and girls to please speak up because we need to hear their voices. The talent is there. The talent mm. is there. And I think, you know, the biggest thing is the lack of exposure early on. I mean, when I was in school for the most part, and probably still now, you don't see um, in high schools the AV, you know, I don't even know what they have these days, brochures or Instagrams. You don't see women. You see, you know, boys or, or men or same with um, colleges, universities. You see a man behind the camera or putting up lights or, you know, holding a boom. And mm. it, I think that just needs to change. It needs to change because, like I said, the young women that I've I've been talking to um, or be, been interviewed by, I... It's, I know that there's an interest there, but there's kind of a hesitation in terms of, well, what am I getting into? What does mm-hmm. this mean? Like, we need more information. So I think that the more information that's out there and the more visible women are in any sort of um, promotion for schools, for programs, for uh, internships, co-ops, anything like that, will will encourage women to even consider it when it may not have crossed their minds before. I'm teaching a semester at Sheridan right now. And um, the few women that are there even still in, in the class that I'm teaching, the potential that I see there is incredible. Hmm. And, I, you know, it's, it's out there. It needs to be cultivated. And having Hilda win and be on stage as the first female composer in, you know, the entire time I've been in the business. Hmm. Um, it's, you know, I stood up and, and cheered. I mean, it was, that's what we need to see. That's what women need to see. And they need to realize that it, these are possibilities that are um, able to be fulfilled. If your brain works in the beautiful way that yours does, <laughs> there is a wonderful job waiting for you. You spoke about having people underestimate you in the past, that they they didn't know what to expect from you at the start. 
do you what do you think that they meant by that or do you even think it's worth getting into those brains or just being proud of as you said no matter what the struggles the work that you put out there in the end and the learning experience that you had I think and I I'll always say that work will speak for itself when whenever I have encountered any sort of naysayer or question about my ability I just I don't I don't respond to it I just stay quiet deliver the work and it has always come back in a positive way. I don't. I don't feel the need to justify or um, uh, support close-mindedness in that mm. way. I try and rise above it in my mind and and just say fine, or just in, internally say, I'll show them. I'll I'll prove them wrong, and they can think whatever they want from the get-go. And we're we're in a team. You've got to deal with it. Here it is. And you know what? I don't think it's. I don't think it's disappointed thus far that I've heard of. So, and it, it, it's, it's again, satisfying because every single one of those instances where it has been outwardly spoken in some respect or another, someone has come back to me and said, you know, I, I'm sorry I doubted you or, you know, you did a great job and thank you. And It's, uh, someone said to me once, keep your head down and do the work. Mm-hmm. When you feel overwhelmed by outward voices, keep your head down and do the work. That doesn't mean don't collaborate, you know, but it just means stay focused. Stay focused and don't give up. Don't let yeah. one or two people or 10 or 20 discourage you. If this is what you want to do mm-hmm. and you're passionate about it, don't let anybody stand in your way. Just like you said, keep your head down, do the work, and it will. you will be rewarded for it. Thank you so much for coming in today to Deluxe. It was such a pleasure to talk to you. Can I have one final thing? Yes, please. Thank you to you and Jen for um, organizing these podcasts. This is amazing. And I've listened to season one and been incredibly encouraged by it. So please keep going and, and thank you. Oh, thank you very much. As a prominent supervising sound and dialogue ADR editor in the film and television industries of both Canada and the U.S., Jill Purdy has an extraordinary record of achievements and awards spanning over two decades. After graduating from both Queen's and Sheridan College and initiating her career via a successful internship with Sound Dogs Toronto, Jill gained a distinguished reputation quickly and has continued to thrive at the top of her field. Jill was invited to be a member of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences in 2018. In addition to the Oscar-nominated The Shape of Water, Jill's credits include Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, Mother, Molly's Game, Hands of Stone, Snow White and the Huntsman, Black Swan, and On the Basis of Sex. Thank you, Jill, for joining us today at Deluxe. Be sure to check out future episodes of Women on Screen Out Loud wherever you get your podcasts, and check out upcoming events and initiatives from Women on Screen at womenonscreen.ca. Until next time, I'm Lara Jean Korostecki. And I'm Jennifer Pogue. And we are Women Women on Screen. Women on Screen Out Loud was recorded at Deluxe Toronto. This podcast was created and produced by Lara Jean Korostecki and Jennifer Pogue, executive produced by Lauren McKinley, Farah Morani, and Kira Murphy, with original music by Erica Percunier. Thank you to Deluxe Toronto for hosting us and for continuing to support women on screen.